Welcome to the Lead and Follow podcast. I'm your host, Sharna Fabiano, author of the book, Lead and Follow. And I'm pleased to bring you the latest research, insights, and educational techniques in the emerging field of followership to help you connect and collaborate better with the people around you, whether you're leading or following. Please do leave us a review in your favorite podcast app, and thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Lawson Harold, who's a recent alumni of Christopher Newport University's unique leadership program, which now includes a whole course on followership. This episode is actually part two of a three-part series in which we're exploring the integration of followership into this leadership program, both as an academic study and also as a real-world practice. So I've really enjoyed learning how followership has been changing the perspective on leadership for both faculty and students. And after listening to this episode today, I want to encourage you to please go back and listen to part one if you haven't already, and also stay tuned for part three. For now, Lawson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to share this space with you. Likewise, I want to start by just inviting you to introduce yourself and share with listeners where you are now, what you've been doing since graduation. Yes. So I graduated from Christopher Newport in 2021. I earned my degree in communication studies with minors in leadership studies and graphic design. Um, So as you mentioned before, I was a member of the university's president's leadership program. And currently I am a cast member at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, where I am a crew member working aboard the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, um, which I hope to share a little bit about later, but that's what I'm up to. We're definitely going to go into that. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to learn more, but I, yeah. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So Absolutely. let's go back to your experience with the the leadership program. Mm-hmm. You were among the first to experience this followership course when it was introduced. So I'm curious what your initial reaction was when it first mm-hmm. came up. Absolutely. So in the context of Christopher Newport University, um, one of our quote-unquote taglines or focuses or emphasis is on leading a life of significance. So when I came to Christopher Newport, I really had this notion that in order to lead a life of significance, I would need to hold a position of power and influence in order to mobilize a group of people to achieve something. But the more I came to realize it, it's so much more beyond that. It's not that title. It's not that position. In fact, the first moment I arrived on campus, one of the experiences in order to prepare you for the president's leadership program is leadership adventure. So it's a leadership development experience that plants the seeds to help you succeed and grow throughout your four years in the program. And the first discussion we had was actually on followership. So along the way, it was planted seeds throughout the program where we talked about followership, and then it eventually led to this course in followership. And what I loved most about it was, at first, I think there was some hesitancy, but with my professors, um, Lori Throop and Lacey Gray, they began the course really leaning into and being very aware of the perceptions behind followership and almost extending us a metaphorical invitation where it was almost as if it was this invitation where we could step into a door and the door was followership, if you will. So you can either step through the door frame or not. But once you step through that door frame, once we learn about followership, it's really hard to go back um, because <laughs> it's, it's adding more color to the gray area that exists. And that means it's adding more complexity to your relationship 
with leadership. And I think that was very exciting in a lot of capacity. So it was transitioning from this hesitancy to curiosity to every day wanting to learn more and more about followership, often sometimes leading so much more into resources on followership than I do leadership. Even here at the Walt Disney Company, we talk about backstage and onstage. Backstage for me is that followership, whereas onstage was that leadership. Thank you for that. I love the picture you're painting of your personal journey there as, you know, walking through the the metaphorical door. And I want to ask you maybe just to reflect a little bit more on that theme of power and influence, because you're pointing out Mm -hmm. something really important in the cultural messaging we receive, you know, about leadership and what it is to do anything in the world, you know, to live a life of meaning or significance. And we associate power and influence with having that leader title. Uh, My Mm -hmm. experience is different. You know, my experience Mm -hmm. is that power and influence is more like a a phenomenon that's cultivated between Mm -hmm. the forces of leadership and followership. But I'd I'd be curious if your perspective on those themes in particular has shifted through your education and your early work experience. Absolutely. Especially within the followership course, Mm -hmm. it was very much how the the power often resides with the followers. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to coming across a lot of texts throughout that course, um, especially some of the work of Sam and Mark Hurwitz talking about how followership and leadership have an equal dynamic and different role, really understanding that it is the same playing field. So during my time at Christopher Newport, thinking about my career choices, I wanted preparation. I wanted a practice ground to be a team player and to learn how to be a team player, whether as a leader or as a follower. I also wanted to have the language in the toolbox to pursue goals, but also to make goals. What I really wanted to do is understand people. And right now, I am in the business of pursuing goals. One of our goals, actually, we just reached it. We have just accomplished at the Star Cruiser the highest guest experience scores the Walt Disney Company has ever seen in the history of Disney, which is so exciting. Thank you. Yes. I give it, I give kudos to our um, incredible team before, uh, before me, because I began in October because they were the ones that were truly put in that work. In addition to, I give a uh, huge, huge kudos to our leadership team for guiding us through that. But that is a goal that I come in mind with every single day to accomplish, to accomplish that goal of creating an experience that truly resonates with our guests and they leave feeling so fulfilled. And so right now there is a lot of, I'm actually like, I carry my leadership and followership books with me to and from work because there's some experiences where I truly am like, wow, like I think this is this guiding principle or this is this behavior. And I'm curious about this. How can I navigate this? So in terms of that, I think the followership course specifically it really has given me the toolbox to understand how to pursue a goal, how to accomplish that goal and how to partner with my leaders in doing that. In addition to how to be an effective team player, our experience on the galactic star cruiser would not happen without effective team players. And it's a team oriented environment that is really driven by that, by that effective partnership. So it's a really unique opportunity to take what I've learned from the followership course from the leadership program as a whole at Christopher Newport into the workspace. You've had a little time to reflect on this since you finished. I wonder what is standing out 
to you now from, from that course, maybe you can just throw out some examples of ideas or lessons that were maybe like the most impactful or things that you used a lot or you're using now, uh, in specifically in the followership space. In addition, another thing that I learned throughout this course is understanding leader and follower, not as fixed professional titles, as you say in your book, again, but as strategic and empowering ways of relating to one another. It's very much a relationship and for a relationship to be effective, it takes work. Um, I think too, throughout my course, my undergraduate course, um, I've learned that effective leadership can make change intentional. But for my followership course specifically, I learned that followership can make change effective. So intention with the leader, it's about setting that frame, that effectiveness on behalf of the follower can be activated by interacting within the frame. So definitely leaning and learning more about that relationship. That's a great example, intention and effectiveness. I wonder if you have some recent examples from your work experience where you're seeing that play out either you know, when you yourself are leading or following, or if you're in relationship with a, a coworker. Absolutely. In my day-to-day work, I see it. Um, I think every day we start with the intention to deliver a one-of-a-kind experience, this revolutionary experience where our guests are truly immersed in their very own Star Wars story. And it's up to me as a follower to pursue that goal and to make it happen, to make it real. It's about leaning into the relationships that I have on board to ensure that our passengers have the best experience possible. What are some of the things you do? And, you know, tell me, I'm kind of pushing on this because I'm really curious about it myself. What are some of the things you do to make sure your passengers have the best experience possible? Oh, that's a great question. First and foremost, it's honoring their journey. That's what we say on board. We are honoring their journey. We have passengers that are Star Wars fanatics. We also have passengers that are new to the whole experience. And so it's really honoring where they are at in their journey and doing everything we can to make sure that it is up to their expectation and more, delivering that wow factor. In addition to, it's very much extending that empathy and holding that emotional intelligence, it's very important, especially when we're working with guests. As a team player, it is partnering with my fellow crew members, assisting them when needed. I think those few things you pointed out are really great, subtle things that are often overlooked, but they're so crucial, important followership skills that are in some ways invisible, but if they're not there, the whole thing just doesn't work. Right. In, in this case, you know, you might have a, a passenger who walks away and thought, Oh, that wasn't what I expected, or it wasn't great or worth it. You know, and in, in another situation, you know, you might have a customer or a colleague, you know, who's like, Oh, I just, I don't, I'm not happy with this or I'm not satisfied or it doesn't work for me, you know, and it's about, it's because the relationship wasn't there. You know, it might not even because be because the product isn't a good one, right? It, it sometimes relies on, on the dynamic. So I think that's really wise of you to point out. I imagine in the Star Wars experience, there are other instances of leading and following dynamic mm-hmm. that might be occurring. And I wondered, because you have this lens, right, from your study, what are you seeing 
it, to the extent that you're allowed to disclose it, um, yeah. that might be <laughs> illuminating for listeners. So to provide context to exactly what this experience is, it's a first of its kind, two day, two night immersive adventure where you get to live your very own Star Wars story. I say Star wow. Wars lightly because yes, yeah. <laughs> I say Star Wars lightly because your knowledge of Star Wars is not integral to the experience. So I mentioned honoring your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is you would arrive at a terminal here at the Walt Disney World Resort board a launch pod, and then you would head up to the magnificent Halcyon Star Cruiser, which is a galactic star cruiser, uh, where you'll have the opportunity to stay in a cabin or a suite with a beautiful view of space from your very own cabin. And then throughout the ship, you'll be interacting with a collected collection of characters, sit down to enjoy galactic cuisine, and perhaps even plot a secret mission or two. Oh Um, my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So as a crew member, um, I am a part of a team that plays an integral part of the experience for passengers from the point they arrive for their voyage until the day of disembarkation. Star Cruiser, when done well, and we do it well, I like to think so, <laughs> it truly makes real the idea that you get farther by going together. Teamwork is built, literally built into the experience, both as a passenger and as a crew member. As a passenger, there are things that you cannot do alone to accomplish something. And there Mm. are moments where the choices you make have impact on others. We have a saying on board that our passengers will repeat back to us. It's together as one. We say that right before we do anything. Mm. As a crew member, our culture as a crew is team-oriented. We have a saying as a crew, out of many, we are one. So I send high praise to our leadership team for building this team-oriented culture that truly reflects to our passengers as well. Because if we are operating as one, so too our passengers will throughout this adventure. Um, And what I love most about it is um, one of our executive producers and our executive creative director, Ann Morrow Johnson, once said, Star Wars is all about these moments of epic action and adventure but also about these very quiet moments of true human interaction. And what I loved about my time, especially in my followership course, was learning about the moments of empathy, of compassion, and moral courage, where the choices you make as a follower have impact. I see that aboard Mm -hmm. the Star Cruiser. I actually just spoke um, with a 10-year-old during his voyage about honoring the trust you are given from someone and having empathy and moral courage. And I had to take this moment after that conversation. I was like, wow, I'm I'm getting paid to do this right now. (laughs) Uh, But that's, that's leadership. That's followership. It's those moments of empathy, of compassion, of moral courage and understanding the choices you make have impact in that is truly embedded in the experience. And I'm seeing it in every single second that I am on ship, every single engagement that I have with passengers, it's, it's coming back to those core elements. Beautiful, beautifully described. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I also just want to highlight the fact that you are naming choice in mm-hmm. the followership role, right. As well as mm-hmm. a leadership role. Cause I think that's a little bit of something we need to get over, you know, culturally mm-hmm. that we need to remember that it's not only those in leadership roles that make choices, it's also Mm -hmm. those in followership roles. They're just different choices, but they're equally as consequential and therefore equally as influential to the group experience. So thank you for highlighting that 
listeners book your voyage now yeah. <laughs> you want to experience this uh, leader follower team as one and i want to actually jump back to the naming of the leader follower what i also really appreciated too was sometimes it's just observing the behaviors of a leader the behaviors of a follower and that's what we really see on the experience and that's also something that i picked up both from your book but also during my followership courses the naming of a leader, the naming of a follower is so important, but just so too, it's the understanding the behaviors of a leader, the behaviors of a follower, seeing that really emerge. And I saw that a lot during my experience at Christopher Newport and my experiences both in the program and beyond the program. It was often sometimes so hard to figure out whether or not I should call myself a leader in this situation or should I call myself a follower in this situation. And that's where I really leaned on, okay, we are all on the same page. We're all in the same room let's explore what these behaviors look like to ensure that there is that co-flow that can exist. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Do you have any memories of identifying which behaviors those are and how they go together? Cause I, I, I agree with you. The, the labels leadership and followership, they're, they're kind of useful as scaffolding. You know, they're not like the end goal. It's almost like point the sign in that direction so that we can get mm -hmm. to the point at which we're behaving or interacting, you know, fluidly as one. Absolutely. Um, I had the opportunity to work as a student director of orientation at Christopher Newport. And this was during the year of 2020. So we signed on before the pandemic happened. We had our roles, we had our set roles, we had our set expectations. And then of course the pandemic happened and then we shifted remotely. So with that, we had to embrace, not we had to, I, I like to say we wanted to because we truly wanted to embrace a whole new mindset for how we did onboarding. Specifically, we needed to figure out how to honor what our incoming students have lost, but prepare them with excitement, more, more importantly, curiosity for what was to come. So when the pandemic happened, my boss's responsibility shifted and our peer student advisor opportunity, my, my role elevated to where I was partnering with her and fellow, a fellow student director to form 10 weeks of virtual orient, orientation content. In addition, training 31 orientation leaders to host in total um, nearly 1,800 meetups, what we call crew times, while supporting the mental well-being of our team during 2020. And so in that space, I was working with my, my leader where I mm -hmm. assumed the role as a follower. But then when the pandemic happened, we shifted to this level of where we were working together, where it was this constant think tank, if you will, okay, like, what if we do it like this? Okay, what about this? And then I would shift over to working with our orientation leaders. Our orientation leaders, I was working hand in hand with them, where they were informing some of the content that we were giving to our students. In addition to, they were informing some of our training experiences as well. So it was this really cool really unique opportunity seeing how this hierarchy shifted into this level playing field where everyone was contributing and everyone was receiving at the same time. Yeah. I think that experience you had, I've heard echoed from others during that mm -hmm. dramatic transition to everything yes. online, that there's something about the remote experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it flattens the hierarchy because that sort of sounds right. like, wow, like it's right. gone, yes. but it makes it <laughs> somehow 
it makes the role somehow more fluid, mm, more relational. And that can be disorienting, I think, for a lot of folks, right? As you said, oh, it's sometimes absolutely. hard to tell, like, what role am I in? But I think that word receiving, you know, you, you mentioned language is so useful. Mm-hmm. And often I, I think of receiving if I'm in the follower role, even if it's just in a conversation, right, for a few mm-hmm. moments, and then I'm speaking, and then the other person's receiving. So I can imagine you amidst all of those roles, right? With your supervisor, with the trainers, with the, I can't remember all of the titles, the people you're working with, but (laughs) where, yeah, there is kind of now the need for data to come in from more directions than before, Mm -hmm. perhaps because of the, the dramatic change in, in context, as Kellerman might say. So making yourself open to receive and perhaps, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone in that chain or of that network of organizing perhaps I'm speculating now, but you tell me if this feels uh, like it was true, needed to have more input, right? More kind of openness Mm -hmm. to receive. So in a sense, more followership or more frequent followership to take in more uh, in order to be able to make good leadership decisions, right? In terms of directing or coordinating or space, space holding. But to tell me how you think about that. I absolutely would agree with that, especially in terms of the increased frequency of followership needed during that time. As a leader, we were setting the frame for our orientation leaders, but transitioning to a follower, I was encouraging our followers to set that frame as well. So it was this unique, as you refer to it, it was this unique dance where that increased frequency of followership was almost more needed too than the leadership because it was the followers that they were working directly with, with our um, students. They were the ones interacting with them. They were the ones hearing the stories. They were the ones hearing what our students exactly needed. So we really relied on increasing that frequency of, of conversation, of feedback. That was very important to our experience. Most importantly for me too, shifting away from that leader role into that follower role, especially in terms of how can I support my boss, my director of orientation, a time of which she assumed more responsibility? And how can I still accomplish those goals while still supporting our orientation leader crew? I think what you're describing is just a great lesson for the, all of us for the future. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, hopefully there isn't going to be another dramatic <laughs> pandemic, you know, uh, let's put that out there, but I think more change is coming for us in the future, yes. right? Change is always coming, but it mm-hmm. feels like we're in a moment of like just more and more rapid mm-hmm. change, you know, technologically, uh, globally, economically. And the, you know, the lesson I'm hearing from this experience you had was, more followership and like more frequent followership mm. by by all then actually allows more leadership too like more distributed leadership perhaps right yes. as you're kind of passing that off to the orientation uh leaders right say okay mm. i've i've listening um i'm receiving information from you now you go back and you know make the decision and and hold the frame for yes. others so more like circulation, perhaps, of mm-hmm. these roles back and forth. Um, so, you know, when when we recognize everyone kind of amped up their, their followership in terms of receiving information, it allowed mm-hmm. them to take on that bigger responsibility of frame setting 
as a leader. That's what Absolutely. I'm getting from it. I feel like that's could be a really powerful lesson for, for all of us as we go forth, mm-hmm. you know, through this next decade, uh, anticipating all kinds of changes coming. Mm-hmm. And I think too, something that I really leaned into was trust, trusting that my orientation leaders would leave our spaces as a crew and go to their students and be their best selves. That's what I hope I got across to them during that time was be you and be well, (laughs) be Mm -hmm. you and, and do well, Mm -hmm. be your best self is what I really um, wanted to settle on with our orientation leaders of take this information, but I trust that you have the capacity to be your best self and to do what you need to do to ensure that you're taking care of yourself, but also that we are supporting our students through this challenging experience. And throughout that entire experience. I literally had a library right next to where my remote working station was of all of the texts of all of the knowledge that I received from the program, the amount Mm -hmm. of times that I would pull, especially books on followership to understand it, to understand how to mobilize a group during this time of collective stress, anxiety, overwhelmness, if that is Mm -hmm. a word, um, how to support and how to empathize and to how to inspire and motivate. And that is something that I am so grateful for, especially from the curriculum because of how interdisciplinary it was and how much it brought certainty to such an ambiguous time. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful takeaway. Anything else, Lawson, coming to mind that, you know, has kind of come out of this interdisciplinary program between leadership and followership or, or both that you wanted to share? I think a powerful takeaway from the program, especially the interdisciplinary nature of it all is, and including my role right now, is storytelling and play have purpose in leadership mm-hmm. and followership. In fact, actually, one of our courses offered in the President's Leadership Program and through our leadership um, studies major and minor, um, we have a storytelling course where we explore storytelling as a form of leadership, as a form of followership. And um, when I really reflect on storytelling and play having purpose in leadership and followership, I actually think back to uh, your previous podcast episode, uh, Lightness and Play. Uh, where Tova so eloquently states that trust is what enables play to happen. And so from that, I think another big takeaway is trust. You need to invest in relationships and building trust when it comes to the leader-follower dynamic. That is the foundation that can truly set yourself up for success, for an effective partnership, for an effective dance. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned Tova's episode. It's one of my yes. favorite episodes well, yes, and listeners should all go and want, uh, listen to it. Yes. If you haven't. Um, yeah, she's delightful. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that you brought in storytelling and this might be a, a tricky question, but I'm curious yeah. if you experience storytelling differently when you're in the leading role or in the following mm-hmm. role, like, does it serve you? Does it serve your purposes differently in either of those roles? Yes, I think it's a difference between telling a story and listening to a story where I have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to practice communicating effectively. 
as a leader by storytelling and as a follower, actively listening. Some of the most powerful stories I've experienced are Mm co-created. So bringing in that dynamic of as a leader, I am also actively listening while I'm effectively communicating. And as a follower, I'm effectively communicating as I'm actively listening. Yeah, thank you. Your description made me think of stories that I've heard or Mm -hmm. told. And tell me if you agree with this or if you experience it differently. But I notice that when I'm telling a story, I will actually tell it differently depending on who's listening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another one of these subtle things that can kind of go unnoticed that the listener just by their presence, the way that they're listening, you know, the, the way they tune in or don't tune in that Mm -hmm. impacts my choices, right. As a leader Mm -hmm. and what I communicate and how much I trust to share and so forth. So I don't know. I just, that was sort of the subtle layer that I wanted to bring in. I wonder if, you know, if you experience that or if you experience it differently. Absolutely. And I think it comes back to that trust. If there's different levels of trust, you're going to get that different level of storytelling, that different level of vulnerability. Storytelling is an inherent vulnerable activity, I think. Mm-hmm. And my storytelling absolutely does shift between a more organic storytelling versus storytelling in the sense of a firm script, if you will, or a firm spiel. Right, right. And that absolutely, it's very much about when you captivate the audience, when we talk mm-hmm. about a leadership guiding principle, It's very much about understanding your audience. I think that is so important. As a leader, it's understanding the audience. And as a follower, it's understanding who you are in that space too. And the leader taking active steps to understand in order to make sure that that story they are telling is relevant and most importantly, hopefully um, inspires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. I think it's so easy for us to kind of again, that cultural stereotype, right? That you kind of just, as a leader, like put your story out there and put it on people and, you know, they're just passively receiving it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really not good storytelling. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the good storytelling is the the leader or the storyteller who is adjusting for the audience and who is uh, kind of choosing those words, depending on who their listener is and what Mm -hmm. kind of presence they're receiving. So thanks for underlying that. I'm hoping that we'll have listeners who might be current students of leadership at other Mm -hmm. universities. I wonder if you have any thoughts for them or advice for them as they're going through their own learning journey. Absolutely. I think first and foremost that the followership leadership role, it's shared equal and dynamic. I would encourage to learn followership, to understand followership, to study followership just as much as you are, if not more, studying leadership. I think something that I've really kind of been curious about is how to make myself indispensable in a workspace. Mm. And I say that lightly because it sounds almost like a commodity of like when you leave, like you're just, you know, that number in a system. But it's when I say indispensable, I'm saying how to make yourself the first person a leader or someone calls on, how to make yourself reliable, how can you make yourself responsible, how can you make yourself be that person someone looks to. And I think a key to that is understanding followership. You talk about in lead and follow, preserving the ethics, helping develop ideas, practicing calmness and composure, checking in with those beside me and above me in a structure. I think that's how I've kind of settled on 
I'm asking the same questions of my leaders that I do my fellow crew members. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to take care of yourself when you head back home? Mm -hmm. Or how are you feeling today? Those simple questions facilitate a sense of trust that I care about you because I do, because I see you as a person. I care about you as a person. And I think care is so incredibly important in the followership, leadership dynamic, that respect. And so I think understanding followership can truly help make one indispensable in a, in a workspace. Beautiful. I think that's the title of the episode. Make yourself yeah. indispensable. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It's a, a powerful note to end on. And mm-hmm. Lawson, I so appreciate your perspective uh, as one who's gone through this really unique program and now is taking it out into the world. You're just such a glowing example of what happens when we do that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to the Lead and Follow podcast. Special thanks to Glover Gill for composing our music. And thank you to all of our subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show with a paid subscription. And if your team or organization is interested in followership training, please reach out anytime. I'd love to help.